Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. The Passion Translation and New King James Version. If you will, turn with me to John chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 47. This week has been, oh, before I get started, let me say this. Last week I, I did a, a, quite the job of seemingly running down the Christian church on Easter, and I don't want it to be portrayed that what, what I'm saying is that this isn't an important day. This is an important day. But the reason that sometimes we don't do something extremely extra or we're not, you know, uh, doing Easter eggs and we're not doing it because... I believe that before any of the extra stuff needs to take place, there needs to be this heart and responsibility of if he is risen, then what is my response in a day like this? Where am I seeing the power displayed in my life? And I think one of the most powerful things we could have done on a day like this to honor all that he's done for us is to sit up here and to believe together that we're going to see miraculous, wondrous miracles take place within this tribe. That is... You can keep the hashtags, you can keep the, you know, the Easter bunny and everything else. Those are all fun, whatever. I'm not trying to run those things down. I even somewhat dressed up this morning, okay? I really didn't, I didn't do this for Jesus. I did it for my mom, but Yeshua doesn't really care, but my mom does. So I dressed up nice on Easter. Not as nice as Jeffrey, but I dressed up nice, (laughs) But, but I, I believe that there's, that there's, we fluff things up and we're in, in, in this day frustrates me because I know that this idea of herding the cattle and having seven, having seven, uh, <laughs> it's never going away, Jeffrey. <laughs> Having seven services and, and going, it's not, it's not a matter of, you know, we hide behind this idea of, well, if it's just that one moment that they're introduced, well, you're trying to introduce them to an experience instead of an encounter with Christ, with who he is within you and the responsibility and the, the blood that's pulsing through your veins. And I, I just don't want it to be that way here. I want us to carry the responsibility and the hope of the glory within us. Amen? So don't take me rambling last week about that stuff as I'm not thinking this day is special. This day is special, but I'm not going to do anything through, uh, through social media or events to make this any more special of a day than it is. That day is special when I go home. You know, that's, this day is special throughout the week, and every single time we gather, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ within us. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> so, with that said, this week... I, it's been a, it's been a, a powerful week for me, but a very strange week for me. One of the reasons that, that, that I even went on that whole ramble thing was because with the thing that I don't like about the herding of the cattle is that where that affects people the most is our ministers in the United States. In this country, ministers, the suicide rate is sky high. There's depression, and you got a lot of people up here that can carry on the show but not live the life. And I, for one, for my kids, for my family, never want to be one like that. I never want to just be under this stress of trying to produce something instead of just, like, introducing someone, right? So... 
this week I sat and, and kind of how my process goes throughout the week is I have about, I, I, I can say this with a, with a clear heart that I have about 60 to 70% of the things that I write never get spoken in this place. And that to me is amazing because there's something that there's a part of me that's jealous over the things he speaks to me. But when I'm in my secret place, when I'm, when I'm studying the word, when I'm doing whatever I might be doing, Yahweh gives me these things, and, and typically at the beginning of the week, I like to say, Yahweh, what's your heart? Just show me your heart for this week. What, what is it that you want me to bring? What is, there, is there something I need to speak? And I always leave, y'all know, with whatever, however, whenever. If I'm not to speak, I'm not going to speak. But I take usually a word or a phrase or a scripture that he's given, and it causes me to seek his heart for this time and for this place. And so this week... I got in and I was like, you know, Yahweh, this is Resurrection Sunday, you know, you know there, there could be, there's an expectation there and I just want to know, I want to make sure that I clearly hear your heart, that I can deliver that for this people this week and I, I just want you to, to help me out here and there was, in my spirit, I knew that I wasn't to write a single note down. In, in my heart, I knew all he wanted me to do was to sit with him. And I'm always sitting with him, but, but to a degree that there was no, there's no concept or idea of, of let's break this flow by just writing something down. He just wanted me to sit there. And Psalms 23 happened. Psalms 23 has been happening in my life. could all quote it in here, at least a portion of it. And if not even quoting, you can at least go, yeah, I've heard that before. But the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I've decided that he is the Lord, the Lord over my life over my body, over my mind, over my ministry, over my leadership, over my decisions, over every single aspect of my life, over my family, over my beautiful daughter sleeping there, over my beautiful wife sitting there, my two crazy boys over there in the children's ministry, over all of the aspects of my life, I'm learning to trust him in a reckless way. In a, in a, in a almost seemingly irresponsible way. Because the world would tell me, look, it, it's Resurrection Sunday. There's probably going to be more people listening and there's probably going to be more people watching and there's, there's an expectation of producing something and to speak about resurrection and to do all of these things. And I'm telling you, I want you to sit and not write a single note. So what he does is he says, okay, I'm the Lord of your life. The first thing I'm going to make you do is I'm going to make you lie down. The word makes, I... He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. This week as I sat in, in, his, in his presence, every single time I went to go, to go sit there, turn on some music or just sit in silence, I was flooded and overwhelmed with his faithfulness. I couldn't do anything except remember and rehearse everything to, to, the, to the point of me standing here, to the point of the people that are here being here, to the miraculous things that I've seen with my own eyes in three years. Jeremy, I've thought about you a lot, brother. I really have. 
I just thought about the time where no one can, no one can take away from me the thing that I saw in his eyes and his wife when we had that baptism. And I saw him go under the water, one man, and come back up a completely different man. And your, your eyes were on my heart all week. And little Pearson, whenever he came up out of the water and his mom baptized him, it was like he's crazy Pearson, just having a good time, wild child, whatever. And all of a sudden, the presence of Yahweh hit the child. And the reality of the glory of Yahweh in that moment hit a child in his heart and tears started to stream down his little face. And he felt transformation take place. And I felt transformation take place. And sometimes you sit there and you just, this just all happened. And you're reminded about the hurricane that ripped this place to shreds and now we're in here. This didn't just happen. We should not be here. The, we shouldn't be joined like we are. We shouldn't be experiencing growth. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about within ourselves, in our hearts, and in our hope. That should not happen. And we can say that this is good or we can say this is holy, a consecrated thing that he's done in this land and let it propel us into the responsibility of the glory that we're meant to carry in this day. So he makes me lie down in green pastures. If he's making you lie down, stop trying to escape. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. In every single situation, don't try to escape the process. Apostle Ball was all about the process. Do not despise the process. We have to be about that process because the process is relationship. The process is actually the point. And Yeshua talking about to his disciples, feeling that this, his time was coming. What should I say? My soul's in turmoil. It, my soul's in turmoil, but what should I say? Save me from this hour or for this purpose I came to this hour. And if he's the Lord, you're going to be faced with those, those two questions. Things are terrible. Things are bad. This is, things are getting worse and worse and worse. And have you seen what's going on in our country and with the pandemic and what they're utilizing to steer us all in the wrong way? This is all bad. It's all bad. Is he the Lord? That's the question. Is he the Lord? Have you declared that Psalms 23 and not just made it a uh, children's ministry Bible scripture that you know all so well? The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Because in the beginning I made the decision, you're my shepherd. So you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know that the, if you actually Googled right now, what's the Hebraic meaning of tribe, it would come up with rod and staff. And I believe that he has put us together 
And he gives this structure and authority around us that actually comforts us. It's that we can come up here and declare with our mouth the names of people that might be expe- uh, experiencing death or experiencing impossibility or within our own bodies. And we don't clam up and say, oh, well, you know, I'll keep that to myself and I'll give the testimony whenever I, I'm through it. And that'll just lift people up. No, you know what? We were designed to walk together as each other's stability and comfort and rod and staff and intercessors. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And he anoints my head with oil. And that's where, that's where I, he spoke to me so much this week about what is that stillness doing? What is that rest? What is that, uh, that, that irresponsible, seemingly, seemingly irresponsible trust doing? Is there's a moment where I know everything's swirling around and and we get all anxious and nervous and everything else and he's over there, you know, setting the table. I just see him kind of popping that, you know, (laughs) tablecloth out and then the the napkins and we're sitting there like, uh, okay, look, they're literally right there. The, the, the report was right there. I mean, it is coming. Let's make some decisions. It's Easter Sunday. What, what should we be doing? What, what, what's, what extra do we do? What, what, how do I be responsible in this day as a leader? What, what do I do? I'm sorry, I thought we were sitting in green pastures. And he anoints my head with oil. What the anointing, anointing has actually three specific purposes in ancient culture. One was for health. If you, if you had a, a part of your body or you were in sickness, there would be a lot of times where they'd use it for medical purposes of anointing that part of a body. Isn't she lovely? <laughs> There's nothing more fun than making your wife a little bit uncomfortable. Just a little bit. Not enough to get in trouble, but just a little bit. So one's for health. I just had to do that because I couldn't remember the second one. One's for honor. I don't have notes, guys. Come on. So one's for health. One's for honor. That you would honor uh, your guests when they came in, that they would actually anoint their heads and it was a sign of honor. But the other thing and the most important thing is consecration. The Bible tells us that we're to have the mind of Christ, and he's shown me this week that it's actually Christ's mind, not that I'm just thinking his thoughts, which is great. That comes afterwards, but first I'm giving my mind to Christ. I'm consecrating my own head. I'm consecrating my mind, and I think what he wants us to do when he leads us beside still waters and he makes us sit down in green pastures is he wants to consecrate our thoughts at the table where then our cup runs over because he's constantly pouring this overflow for us. And I'm telling you, there's something between tasting and feasting on his faithfulness that causes us to see. The Bible says, taste and see that he is good. There's a feeding on his faithfulness that I believe is, is so vital in what he's been talking to me about this week, what he's, what he's done with, not really even talking, just showing me. As I'm sitting there, I, I was talking to Jonathan and Benjamin today in our, in our meeting over there, and I, I couldn't help but just, be, just cry to these guys, talking about Jonathan and Tamara. 
thinking about Jeffrey and Jess and Kristen and 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 every, everybody, all all these young people. I go through every single person in here, not just young people. I'm thankful for the whole tribe. But ev- there, there's times where you can actually acknowledge things that you've prayed for. And Eva and I, when we stepped into this place, one of the things that didn't happen, even though there might be some people kind of in our same phase of life, we we're kind of all distant. And we so desire to be close and joined to people and to our friends and to have people to raise our kids with and them have friends with. And, and, then, and then to think about you guys coming in the miraculous way that he brought us together. You see, everybody could sit there and think, well, yeah, well, y'all have been best friends, but no, we, we've walked through some stuff. And, and he shouldn't be here, I shouldn't be here, but Yahweh said, this is the word of the Lord, and I'll make sure that this comes together, and I'll orchestrate it beautifully and perfectly. And so when I sit there and I think about those things, the other thing I was thinking about is Miss Amelia. Eva went to, that's Mila, y'all might not know her name's Amelia, but Mila, uh, Eva yesterday went to one of her good friend's parties in Destin, her birthday party, and this was the friend that after the hurricane, our house was wrecked like basically everybody's in here, we went and they, they offered to let us stay with them. We came in, we were in Nashville, we came back. Uh, we could hardly get in. We, we only, we, we stayed in town for maybe a, a day, like driving around, then we had to get out. And they told us to come with them. And these people are super, super wealthy, but they're very much about glorifying, very young and super wealthy and very much about glorifying Yahweh in every single thing that they do. And they, they just moved into their house and they called us and said, we know that you lost your house, come, please come stay with us. So we got to stay in their, in their carriage house and we weren't mad at that because it was amazing. But, but there was such a feeling, if you take yourself back to those moments and you just relive those things and you, f- you feel those feelings, and Eva had called me on her way over there and she was just saying, I just am rehearsing Yahweh's faithfulness in this car, which is hitting me because that's what I've done all week. But she said, I've just been rehearsing Yahweh's faithfulness because as I'm driving, I'm thinking about, it's all coming back to me driving to that house out here in Destin. And just how faithful Yahweh has been in such a short period of time to us. And we got to celebrate moving into our new house not that long ago. But what, what I thought about when you said that and is, is my daughter, Evo. I remember we were in Destin. We, I just like been tearing out stuff here all day. Drove in that like five-hour traffic back to get to, to Destin. And... Uh, and we were so tired. I think, I think we actually, the next day we just said, hey, we're not doing anything. I'm, we're just, we're, we're going to have a day off. So everybody had their day off and I was driving with Evan. I could tell, like, I'm like, this is like one of our only days off and you seem like you're a little antsy. And she told me that she was pregnant. And she was like, I don't know how you're going to receive this because I know like the world around us is kind of crumbling. And I know that it just seems, I'm, just, I'm a little bit nervous about this. And we stopped and we gave such thanks. And I, could, I can't explain it. There was this joy that came up to me. It was like seeing a rainbow. It was like that, that rainbow after the storm type of feel. Like I just felt like there's promise. There's purpose in this. There's such significance in her. And I just, again, I sat there and just, just rehearsed these faithful, how faithful Yahweh is in my life. 
And last night I finally, I, I got to that place of the recklessness got a little bit, got a little bit in here in the chamber. And I was like, what am I going to speak about tomorrow? I don't know what to say. I don't know where I'm going to go with this. I don't know what I should do. I'm going to, Eva, if you don't mind, I'm going to go spend a little bit of time up at the church. Okay, fine. No problem. I go into the ark. I sit down with my notepad and I just weep. I can't help but just weep and continually rehearse the beautiful, amazing things that Yahweh has done in my life. And it just reminds me again, son, when you sat down with me this week, I anointed your head with oil and I consecrated your head and your mind unto me. And I don't need a sermon and I don't need you to preach to people. I need you to feed on my faithfulness. So, I want to speak about feeding on the faithfulness of the Lord. John 6, chapter 47. I'm going to be brief because I want to, I want to, I want to do something today and then we're going to go and celebrate the Easter bunny, I guess. <clears throat> To set the stage here, Yeshua has just, uh, he's just fed the 5,000, or as we know, it would be closer to 20 or 30,000. If you, if you think about how Hebrews, they counted the, the men, that scripture would have just been the men. So if they all had wives, and you uh, conservatively speaking said they had two or three kids, a little basic math, carry the one, add the two, divide by three, you get to 20,000. And so, I don't know what's wrong with me, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. So, anyways, he's just fed them. He's, uh, he's done that, that evening. He's walked on water and they've just had a crazy night. Then his, uh, these same people have come to Yeshua and they're the, the same 20, 30,000 people can't find Yeshua and they come and they, they show up and they find him and they say, where, where, where are you? Where were you? How did you get here? And he starts to talk to them about, you sought me because of what I could do. You sought me because of the miracle that I, I produced. And, and, now, and, and, and now, and you're not seeking me because you actually came into agreement or that you believe in me and my nature and who I am. And they start to talk about Moses and how, you, you know, Yahweh blessed him and, and they knew that he could provide because that the manna was, was uh, sent down from heaven, the bread that kept them alive. And he starts to talk to them about, I am the bread of life. And you need to consistently come to me. And so that's where we are in this story. Good? John 6, verse 47, out of the Passion Translation says this, I speak to you, living truth. Unite your heart to me and believe, and you will experience eternal life. I am the true bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the desert and died, but you but standing here before you is the true bread that comes out of heaven. And when you eat this bread, you will never die. I alone am the living bread that has come to you from heaven. Eat this bread and you will live forever. The living bread I give you is my body, which I will offer as a sacrifice so that all may live. These words Jesus sparked and... Uh, with these words, Jesus sparked an angry outburst among the Jews. They protested, saying, does this man expect us to eat his body? At that time, first off, you can't, as Jews, you can't eat anything that's not kosher, and to think of it being 
human flesh was absolutely offensive. Jesus replied to them, listen to this eternal truth. You thought that bothered you? Check this one out. Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have eternal life. Eternal life comes to the one who eats my body and drinks my blood, and I will raise him up in the last day. So you can imagine that we've got everybody nice and offended here, really hacked off. So eternal life comes to the one who eats my body and drinks my blood, and I will raise them up in the last day. 55 says, for my body is real food for your spirit, and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my body and drinks my blood lives in me, and I live in him. The father of life sent me, and he is my life. In the same way, the one who feeds upon me, I will become his life. Jump down to 60. And when many of Jesus' followers heard these things, it caused a stir. That's disgusting, they said. How could anybody accept it? Without anyone telling him, Jesus knew that they were outraged and told them, Are you offended over my teaching? What will you do? What will you do when you see the Son of Man ascending into the realm from where he came? The Holy Spirit is the one who gives life. That which is of the natural realm is of no help. The words I speak to you are spirit in our life. I've seen us as like an artery. It, it's, it's, it's us from heaven to earth. We're the, we are that gateway. That's how he chooses his will to come through his people. And this is going to be simplistic in nature, but I think it's so significant in its power. This is how he's shown me that there's been, when we feed on things other than his faithfulness, when we're tasting of things that are other than his righteousness and his glory, when we spend our days and our weeks and our, and our, our hours sitting there reading things of this world, believing in things of this world, it's as if there's a clogging going on in the artery. That you still have a flow, but you don't have the flow you, you're meant to have. And it, the more you consume the more you actually consume and eat of this world and eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the more that you consume of that, that artery just becomes more and more and more clogged until there's actually a heart attack and there's death. But what he wants us to do is to feed on his faithfulness because it's literally the thing that produces life within us. That it clears that artery so that there's a complete heavenly flow to this earthly realm. That there's a spiritual reality and there's an earthly reality. And we can sit here and look and feed on the things of this world or we can feed on him. When he's saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood, he's, not tr he's trying to cause a stir because he's Yeshua, but what he's talking about is consuming him. He's talking about feeding on the faithfulness of who he is. That deserves an amen, yes, and don't make me stand you up. 63 says, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives life. That which is of the natural realm is of no help. It feels irresponsible to not look at the ways of the world and the things that are going on. 
But I'm telling you today, it's of no help. No help. And if, if we are doing anything other than feeding on the faithfulness of Yahweh, if we're doing anything except lying down in green pastures, if we're doing anything except making him the Lord of your... Mark, you've been speaking... Sorry, excuse me. Joseph, you've been speaking about this week after week after week after week after week. Yes. Yeah, I have. Yep. You got me. I think it's the most significant thing that we could be doing in this day is feeding on the faithfulness of Yahweh and not being a clogged artery that has literally no help. Psalms 37, verse 3, New King James Version. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. This is what kept coming up in my heart all throughout the week. All throughout the week. Feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. Rehearse and remember. Rehearse and remember what he's done for you in this time. Not just the resurrection. And I don't mean to belittle that. That is great. But what he's currently doing in our lives. Constantly rehearsing and feeding on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Five says commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake from wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. It's a responsibility of ours to, to pray for those that even oppose us. So that's a hard pill to swallow. And you don't think that I see everything going on in the world and the things that in the natural really upset me. But I constantly go to the word and feed on his faithfulness. And I know that my responsibility is to be the gateway from heaven to earth. And I want to make sure that my artery, my vessel, my through pathway there is not clogged with my junk, but just feeding on what he is and who he is and what I'm called to be. For evildoers shall be cut off. This is nine. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. It's an inheritance. It's not about striving to get it. He wants to give it. But it's those who have a, that, that whirl in the dance, that bind together, that stand on tiptoe in expectation. They shall inherit the earth. For yet in a little while, and the wicked, or for, for yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more, and the meek shall inherit the earth. Here's the cool thing about this. If you look at verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. And then it talks about all of the things that's going to happen. In fact, I'm, I missed my favorite part here. I'm going to jump in, and it's, it's a little bit whatever, but I, I like it. So verse 12, let's jump here real quick, and then I'll jump on. The, the, the wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him. God, that's good. He, he makes a table before us in the presence of our enemies. In the presence of the cancer. 
in the presence of this nation and the presence of our freedoms. The wicked plot against the just and gnashes at him with teeth. Sounds so violent, and he's laughing. For he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to stay, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Fifteen is the promise. And this is, the promises is feeding on his faithfulness. The promises is tasting of him, consuming him, his promises. And that's what I'm doing today. I'm going to read a few things that are his promises to us and who we are. But this is what 15 says. It says, their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. So, What I was going to say is that verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness. And then you jump to 34. It says, Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I believe that there's this correlation between tasting and seeing. First taste First consume, first be fed, first be convinced, first come into covenant agreement, first believe, and you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I feel like there's not enough amens in here today. I feel like there's not enough amens, but that's okay because we got Romans 8 going to bring us home right now. Jonathan's going to be stoked right now. He's been reading Romans like crazy. Every single time he talks to us, he's like, there's this scripture. It's probably in Romans. I'll just be honest with you. It's probably in Romans. Romans 8, verse 5. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm genuinely going to retry, attempt, do my best to just read through this. And I, I want you to see this as the truth of today. Verse 5 says, Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves, but those who live by the impulses of Holy Spirit. The impulses. Impulses. It's like impulsively buying a car. Nope, I can't do it. The one that just impulsively buys a car. I feel like that's almost how he's going to start to move through us. It's, it's, it seems irresponsible, but we're so tender and so used to feeding on his faithfulness that we're guided by the impulses of Holy Spirit. That seems weird. Well, don't even think about it. Just be guided by the impulses of Holy Spirit. Afterwards, you can feel weird about it. I typically do. But I know it's good. I know it's right. But those who live by the impulses of Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, think of today, but when the Spirit of of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by your flesh, but by the Spirit. And if you are not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you are not of him. Now Christ lives in you. 
don't celebrate this day without feeling an equal measure of responsibility. Otherwise, we're just celebrating a day. It could be any other day. He didn't die on the cross for ministers this week to be stressed out and to be freaking out and to feel like they don't want to do ministry anymore. He didn't, he didn't die on the cross so that we can get up here and say, oh, sister, we're praying for you. No, he, 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 he did that so that Holy Spirit could actually pulse through our veins and greater works will we do. Now Christ lives his life in you. His life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised to life. God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that brings life into you, which has been the theme that we were talking about anyways. It's the same spirit that rose Christ Yeshua from the dead, now quickens our mortal bodies. He's literally saying that the only way live today is by breathing in his faithfulness as feeding on him, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Fourteen says the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of Holy Spirit. Well, I'm spiritually mature because I know every book in the Bible and I can tell you I know about authority and I know all of these things. I can check all the boxes. No, the Bible says that the spiritually mature are the ones that have accepted Holy Spirit to a degree that they're directed by the impulses of his spirit and Christ lives his life within them. Jump to 20. For against its will, the universe itself, this is Romans 8, verse 20. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, say with me, but now. But now. Say, but today. With eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. It's on tiptoe waiting for Yahweh to be, no, no, no. It's on tiptoe waiting for the sons of God to be revealed because he says on earth as it is in heaven and that's my will, but my will pulses through you. You have an artery connected to heaven that brings that reality to this place. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including, including our physical bodies being transformed. Now, you can sit there and say, we're talking about the sweet by and by, or you can say that this is talking about today and that I've seen a physical transformation of my father's body and his face and his demeanor. I've seen that happen on me. People don't recognize who I am. including our physical bodies being transformed for this is the hope of our salvation. But hope means that we must 
trust and wait for what is still unseen. And we know about that word in here. Let's jump to 28. So we are convinced that every single detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born. He destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. Before you were you. What is it? Go ahead, Dr. Seuss. What is it? No, no, no. I mean, what, what's, the, what's the thing you always say whenever I say that? You can't let another, another service go by. the Dr. Seuss quote. Anyway, sorry. But you, you were you before you were you. <laughs> so Yahweh, I, I ask that today you anoint our heads with oil. You separate us, consecrate us, take these minds that tend to go wild in all of these different paths and We have allowed so many different things to come into our heart, but I just speak over this people that you are consecrating us today. And every single time we sit to go down and try to try to plan our own ways or think our own thoughts that you say, nope, that mind's mine. And you just disallow us to do anything except feed on the faithfulness that you've been so faithful to bring us to this place and everything that that we've that we've had happen in our lives. I just ask that you just stir that up again, stir up the remembrance that just causes us to go into a deeper relationship with you. You've been so, so incredibly good. And I just ask that you allow us to acknowledge that more than anything else in our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org.